Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. Okay. Yeah, it's on. It's live. It's recording. I'm excited to introduce the guest today. She is a marketing leader who likes to shake things up. What does that mean? Well, she works with a lot of companies that have gotten into that kind of like plateau or they're just hanging out and they're like, we want to grow, but we don't know how. She comes in there and just breaks a bunch of things and, and makes it all right. And so she's here today to talk to us, help us all grow some more lead generator, persona creator, customer journey mapper. Um, in fact, her number one specialty is personas and understanding the buyer. Host of multiple podcasts, including Connected Dots, founder and fractional CMO, Ken K Marketing, Vicki O'Neill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Casey. I, I'm so happy to be here and to share this time with you and have this conversation. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things to talk about. And I know this is our marketing leadership series and we're going to talk personas, talk marketing, talk perceptions and in, in aligning even to the different generations, which I know you're also an expert on. So I want to pass you this to start the show off. One second. It's kind of heavy. Okay. Uh, here you go. You got it? 
Got oh, it. wow. Yeah, you're reeling that like crazy. That's Thor's hammer. So take that and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. There's so many. Which one do I crush? Her? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to crush the persona um, myth or yes. you know, the just. I don't want to say disbelief, the, uh, the myth that you don't need personas in your business. So you, don't, so you do need them. You do need them. And most people yeah. aren't thinking that. No, you may hear, it depends on who you're talking to and it might yep. depend on size of the company, but some people believe that they're just a bunch of bull crap and other people are like, oh my gosh, they're the best thing since sliced bread. What's your opinion? Slice, like fresh, warm sliced bread? Is that what yep. it is? Warm sliced bread. Yeah. There's, um, when you, it just seems logical when you think about the fact that if you have your target audience identified and you know yeah. exactly who they are, what their triggers are, where they spend their time, what keeps them up at night, what problems they're having, when you can create a segment or like a bucket of your ideal customers and you can say, okay, these are the people that I would love to have on board. My solution is perfect for this group of customers or this group of prospects. And you can send marketing messages and you can engage with them and you can connect with them and you can kind of help them go through that process of problem to solution. You're going to have a higher conversion rate. You're going to have a higher retention rate versus trying to market to the masses and say, okay, kind of like that spray and pray method. Oh, where yeah. you're hoping you're going to get a couple of them, but maybe you only get a one or two. So it just logically, it even makes more sense without having the data that proves that it is going to be more profitable. And as a marketing person, you're going to be spending your time and the budget more effectively because you're reaching the people who ultimately will need your solution and just kind of help them guide that process. It makes sense. I like warm, fresh bread. The other day I was smelling rosemary bread in the oven and it was just like, oh, I want to eat that. And what, what gets in the way? Why, why do some people, I mean, I've been this way too. Like what are the different things that can get in the way while people are like personas are kind of bullshit. Like, I don't really know. Like mm -hmm. how has that developed over time? Well, first the rosemary bread, you're now yes. making me very hungry. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, hey, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. It's a cooking I want show. to make you hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, most of the time people don't want to invest the time mm. because creating your persona, even if it's one, it's very time consuming and it goes deeper than just saying, okay, it's a, you know, female executive, you know, age 35 to 44, you know, it goes beyond just those very, um, I don't want to say yellow, but they're very surface level yeah. demographics. So this actually gets more into the psychographics and asking the questions of, you know, what really keeps you up, up at night? What's the biggest challenges that you face day to day? What are your obstacles? Um, what stresses you out? You know, it's, it's understanding the emotions that are behind the reason why they would even start searching for your product or solution to begin with. I love that. What keeps you up at night? What stresses you out? Does this fall under the psychographics yes. category? Yeah, definitely. You, what, what are your favorite, any other favorite questions to ask around this? Things you really, like when you know the answers to these questions, like you really know someone, what, what are those kind of questions? 
Um, I like to understand what keeps them up at night. Yeah. Like that's the one that a lot of people don't expect, but at the same time, a lot of us are, well, of course, right now we're all working from home. <laughs> yeah. And we're all stayed up. Night, we, we don't know what time of day it is or what week it is or day. Exactly. Yeah. So there might be more of that on their minds right now. <laughs> they're going to an office or had some type of, you know, right. moment to step away from work. But a lot of times if you are encountering problems, whether it's, you know, trying to fill your team or you've got a, you know, churn problem or you've got this budget problem that was just cut, like a lot mm. of companies have had happen recently. And now you need to keep your brand in front of your, your audience. You know, there's, there's always going to be a challenge. So that stuff, just like with everybody else, you know, it'll keep you up at night. It makes you worry right. because that could be the live or die moment for your company, especially for the smaller companies that I work with. Now, if you ask these questions of all these different customers, are you going to get like a thousand answers back and then you have like a thousand personas or do you eventually see some overlap? No, a lot of times there's overlap and a lot of times they all kind of go back to the same thing. And I mean, a, a company is not going to have like a thousand different personas. Right. You know, I always recommend if they don't have any, just to start with one. Huh. Because that's, it just kind of helps go through that process and help them understand the value of it. And then not just creating it, but then taking it to the next level and saying, okay, now that we have, you know, Savvy Sarah, you know, the persona we just defined, now that we know who she is, and you can even like put a picture up or have it like, you know, around your office or on yeah. your wall. So everybody knows that when they're creating that piece of content where they're talking to them on the phone or they're talking with their salesperson that everybody's talking the same language. It's like, hey, I've got a Savvy Sarah on the phone. Okay, now in my mind, I know who Savvy Sarah is. Yeah. I know the language and I know what her problems are. And I understand how to talk with her. I know where she's spending her time. And when you have that visual in your mind and everybody in your company can relate to that same person, then it helps with communication. It helps with messaging. It helps with everything that's going out to the audience so that they can relate to it. So once you have that process down for one and people understand how that works internally to help externally, then you can start identifying some other buckets or other segments that you can start creating additional personas. Hmm. How many, is there like, do you ever see a number? Do you see like most companies have a couple? It's um, not a thousand. Is there? No, not a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They usually, I usually have them set up like three to five. Okay. Yeah. And that's a good place to start until you start growing and you see your customer base start to, you know, overflow. And all of a sudden you're just like, okay, we need to kind of take a step back and reevaluate because now we have all these other people that don't seem to fit in these buckets. And I always recommend that companies revisit that once a year anyway, just to make sure that, mm. you know, they're still current, there haven't been any changes. If you think about it, even between January 2020 yeah. to March of 2020, that persona probably had a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. you know, even within a year, um, this is a unique year, but even during that time, if you were thinking that, okay, you were going to reach them via direct mail at the office, mm -hmm. well, now they're at home electronically. So right. now you have to kind of, you know, refigure that and, and reassess it. That makes sense. So things do change. Maybe the, pers the personal side stays the same, but maybe the challenges that are affecting them have changed over time. 
Well, the personal side actually changes too, especially with that situation. But, you know, if you've got somebody, especially now, who is working in an office and could be 100% focused on work while they were in the office, now they're at home with their spouse and kids that they're also trying to become a teacher and help them online. And Jeez, all these, yeah. you know, so to cap capture their attention becomes more difficult. So how do you manage through that? And how do you change your messaging? Or should you change your messaging? That's a great question. Should yeah. you? Yeah. So what does that look like to, to get them in the first place and then to rehash them or to like update them? How do you, how do you, do you talk to a, like a couple customers or? Yeah, you can do two different things. You can look at the data that you have, you know, on existing customers. And I always tell co uh, companies to start there. If you've got data and you know that you have these certain customers that are just awesome to work with. Maybe it's because they're very responsive. They're very, you know, respectful and, you know, on the phone or just very helpful. Maybe they've been great beta testers. They pay their bills on time. They buy multiple products. They're the most profitable. Whatever those pieces are that makes you say, this is my ideal customer and I love this customer. I want all of my customers <laughs> to be like this one. Um, if you've got the data, that's a great place to start. And then you just look at the outside, you know, do the interviews, the questions, have your salespeople talk to, you know, those individuals as well. Cause it might be a different conversation than somebody in marketing or customer service reaching right. out to them, whether it's through social media or on the phone or just direct message. Um, I always recommend having an actual conversation and not mm -hmm. relying on like email or surveys because you just don't get the same type of feedback and you don't get that same like voice inflection, body language, you know, a lot of that's very telling versus just text. Yeah. The idea of just actually connecting with people. I think sometimes we hide from our customers or we don't want to talk to them, but you know, mm -hmm. if we're really into what we're doing, we're trying to actually help these people. So be nice to know who are the people that we're really trying to affect and help here, especially if you're marketing and you're not doing the selling and you're not doing the doing whatever service or product it is. It'd be nice to know, who you're helping. Yeah, exactly. It just helps put, it helps connect the dots between what we're doing internally and who we're ultimately helping, which is the customer. You ever have any of those calls where you just have things come up that are kind of like aha moments where you're talking to someone and, and you're asking them the, your standard questions and then they just kind of like drop one of those things. You're like, what? <laughs> like there's our campaign for the next month or you ever have anything like that? Yeah, I, I actually have had somebody do that before and it's, um, it helps them like solidify what they're doing. Oh so yeah. Moment of almost like crossing over where they were kind of questioning it. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, that makes total sense. And it's just understanding where they are in their level of understanding. Right. So what are they not understanding? And then I like to try and figure out how I can change what I'm trying to tell them in a way that's going to help them better understand it. So instead of just repeating the same thing, it's like, okay, what don't they, like what piece of that doesn't make sense? So yeah. I can change it so that they understand it. Yeah, that, that's a really, I think mean, that's like a Jedi level way of thinking about it, like a, a, or a Zen master, because if what you're trying to give people is going to help them, then it's all about really what we're doing is trying to tell them in a way that they'll actually take action. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like, kid, this, this vitamin is good for you or this, whatever it's gonna it's gonna help you it's like trying to get kids to eat their peas you know yeah. 
He's like, let's make them sexy peas. Let's put some cheese on them or something. Here's some Velveeta or whatever. But like, how do we get, how do we get our, our kids to eat the peas? Yeah. It's really the same thing with kids. You know, my daughters are in college, so I understand that phase of trying to get healthier foods. But when it comes to um, prospects or customers or trying to identify the personas, it's, I always relate it back to what's in it for them. So it's not going through this process and saying, okay, here are the steps that we need to do so we can check it off our list and say, oh, look, we've got personas. It's we're doing this so that this budget, which a lot of times is limited, that you can use more effectively and wherever you're spending your money. So if you're spending it on Facebook ads, because that's where your target audience is spending their time. Now, when you're spending that money on Facebook ads and you're creating all the criteria that aligns with who they are, your messaging in your ad is something that's going to stop them so that they at least read it and you give them a call to action so they know what next step they should take. You're making it so easy for them and that money that you're spending is becoming more effective. So you're going to have more brand awareness and Mm. you're going to have more engagement and you're going to have people who go along that customer journey. They're going to like your, your page because they're on Facebook. They're going to start engaging with your content. They're going to start actively sending you messages because they have questions. And that's the type of engagement that brands want because that shows that they're interested. They want to know more. They want to see if you ultimately are going to be that person or that company that's going to solve this problem that they're having. So it's, it's just so important to help them understand the what's in it for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like how you talked about the message in the ad stops them in their tracks. And I think um, I was thinking about this earlier today. I, I love when, when I see great marketing, I just, I appreciate it. And maybe it's cause it's speaking to me uh, as well, but I also like, whether it speaks to me or not, I'm like, you did this well, like, congratulations, I will reward you with a conversion or a click or something. Uh, It's great seeing that done well. And I think, you know, sometimes I'm frustrated with like regular TV. Like, why don't you show me ads I actually want to see, you know, or you go to, and and you you could see the difference between like old school and like what we're doing now, where if I go to a website and I see an ad for qualified or Pardot or someone where it's like they retargeted me or something, I'll take that over you know, you watch, you watch a show you shouldn't be watching. It's about some like country bumpkin doing something they shouldn't be doing, you know, on like a public television channel. And all the ads are like stereotypical, you know, targeted at that. I think one thing we were watching like the thousand pound sisters the other night. And then all the ads were just like blatant things, you know, and you're just like, Oh, like infomercials, (laughs) like give me the ads targeted to me, you know, like to me, me so that I can actually respond to them. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I like about online. Your activity actually determines the ads that you see, even if, you know, I do a Google search and then when I get in Facebook, now all of a sudden I see a Facebook ad that's yeah. related to something I just searched. I'm like, brilliant. Whoever came right? up with that idea, brilliant. <laughs> you know, it, and for a while, Facebook didn't have me figured out. So I wasn't, and you know, I realized I, I hadn't like liked enough things. And so they were just showing me stupid stuff, like the general broadcasted ad across the whole network kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I went out and started liking things. I'm like liking mountain climbing pages. I'm liking <laughs> REI and like yeah. mountain hardware and all these different companies. So like, please, Facebook, start showing me something that at least I can go, ooh, maybe I want to buy that, you know? Yeah. And eventually yeah. it caught up. And so they started showing me stuff where I was like tempted, 
But I will say Instagram for sure has my number figured out. I had to like hop off there the other day because I bought like two things in a row. <laughs> Though I did find out one of those things was a scam. So I don't know Instagram. There's a lot of that going on these days. But at least they have that sort of thing figured out where they're like, oh, Casey, you, you're going to buy this thing, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, you got me. You got me. I can't help it. Here's my credit card. Take my money. <laughs> <laughs> right totally totally what, what's going on there when that's happening I, I mean have people done their persona work is that is that what's at case here and we're being stopped in our tracks I mean you said this earlier like the message stops us in our tracks we like pay attention to it yeah I mean chances are they've either done the persona work or they know what type of customer that they want to buy that particular product yeah because retargeting becomes more about the surface level data and not so much the emotional or the psychographic level. That's true. They do that. And a lot of times, I mean, we're, you and I, because we're marketers, we're more understanding of what it is that we're seeing. So I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm very critical. So when I see something, I'm like, why am I seeing this? And you know, yeah. I'm just out of curiosity. I'm like, oh, they, you know, they shouldn't have like, well, how did I get this? You know, it's just, it's odd. I'm like, there's nothing I've done that would associate me with this type of ad. Totally. Um, so I think that there's a, a different level of, you know, us just knowing what's happening behind the scenes mm -hmm. that, you know, we may be a little curious in a different way, whereas the people that they're targeting for their particular product or service, they're like, okay, I know the type of demographic that I want to target. And then based on user behavior or who you like, then that's how they determine people to send it to. Yeah, that makes sense. Is there a danger? I'm sure this comes up a lot with your work. Is there a danger when marketing is perceived as like the likes and the followers and that the surface level information? Yes, that is something that, and you, you may have seen it too. There's been over the probably last six to 12 months, a lot of influencers or a lot of articles or people who are higher up in marketing, like a Mark Schaefer, who I have a lot of respect for. Why do I keep hearing about him? Mark? Yeah, he's, um, he's written like seven different books and he's um, always been one of those marketing geniuses that's always like a step ahead of where everything else is. Oh. Um, his latest book. You think he's from the future? He's from the future. He is. <laughs> his latest book is uh, Marketing Rebellion. I read that last year and it's all about the customer being the marketer. And that is definitely where things are going. So when you think of it from that perspective and the fact that just because somebody likes my post on Instagram, it means nothing. I mean, I sit there on Instagram, I scroll, if I see something, I double tap, I scroll, I double tap. Even if you leave a comment, you're lucky if the person who posted it actually responds. They may like it, but they, chances are they're not going to respond to your comment. So I think that behavior changes from platform to platform. Instagram is just really bad about the likes and followers because right. people have created a game out of following you. I don't right. know if you experience that. <laughs> or they'll follow you. And if you don't follow them back, oh. unfollow you. Or if you do follow them, they'll still unfollow you. Uh, that's, that is like a party foul right there. It, it's probably an app in, in anyways, right? Some app that's just like follow, yeah. unfollow. Um, dirty dirty tricks. Sure. I would think that there probably is because I'm like, who has this kind of time? I know, right? <laughs> Why would you want to spend it that way? <laughs> it's just so you follow them and then they'll unfollow you and then they'll move on. Yeah, I was, um, it was a little over a year ago, I was trying to build my 
audience on Instagram. Okay. And that's when I was doing it because I liked Instagram, not because my target audience was there. But I, I was noticing that and it was getting so frustrating because I was posting content and it was valuable content. It wasn't just yep. a bunch of crap. And then people were following me. I'm like, oh, cool. This is working. And I'm like, why is my number like staying the same? And I'm like, this is crazy. So I started paying attention to it. And that's what it was. There were people that were following me. And then if it was somebody I wanted to follow, I would. And then they'd unfollow me. And I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. Like, I don't have time for this game. I'm not here to play games. I'm here to help people. So right. if you don't want my help, then I don't need to be here. And then um, I just, I switched to LinkedIn because it's just, that's where my target audience is spending most of their time anyway. And it's, it's definitely more professional in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So no TikTok in your future then? I'm on there. I've done one <laughs> video that's really dumb. It's with the cat <laughs> outside just because I was like, this is odd how you can create these videos. It's like not normal. So yeah. I wanted to try it just to right. try it. I'm on there, but I'm, I mostly get on there for laughs. Cause yeah. there's oh, totally. videos. Yeah. Are you on Maybe there? Like a hashtag, like, like TikTok regrets, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> some professionals like us getting in there and being like, yeah, I'll pull off some TikTok and it'd be like, no, that's not, not happening at all. Yeah. Uh, are you on there? You know, just, just to uh, have the laughs, like you're saying, um, though, I, I've been, uh, there's two that caught my eye. One was the standup challenge. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. seen this where you've got like a guy laying on the ground, the girl standing on his back. She jumps up and then he gets on his hands and knees and then she jumps uh -huh. up again and he gets to his like legs. Yeah. I may, I, maybe I yeah. have, maybe I'm just imagining that I have. Cause it yeah, I keep trying to egg my friends on being, I, I really want to see you and your husband, like do the stand up challenge. Like, please do this. And they're you like, I know they, that's what they all say. I'm like, <laughs> I asked the wife and she's like, not a chance in hell that I'm doing this. So currently seeking someone to do the stand up challenge with me, just put it out there, people. Um, <laughs> the extra challenge of doing it while you're hiking. Yes. Yes. And avoiding the deer ticks at the same time. Oh, there you go. See, <laughs> <laughs> we get all sorts of craziness up here in New Hampshire. You know, you don't have to worry about that. Crazy um, there. <laughs> I know. Seriously, seriously. So what, what kind of things, you know, things are evolving for sure. What do you see coming around in the future? Is there any, anything good in the coming around the future? Anything bad we should watch out for? What, what's your take if you were to sort of forecast for us? Yeah, I would say that what's coming up in the future is that our focus definitely needs to migrate from platform focused and migrate to customer focused. So, and what I mean by that is, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier with understanding your persona, but then taking it a step further and understanding the customer journey. Yeah. So if you think about your customer journey there, I mean, there's so many different ways or so many different paths that somebody could take, especially with, you know, social media, but understanding where they're spending time, how they're navigating from, you know, one call to action to the next and, how they go through the no like and trust process before they'll buy from you. So there's a lot more involved now. Even consumers today are more sophisticated than they were, you know, two years ago. And they're starting to like, you know, we were just talking about how we understand what the ads are and mm -hmm. what's happening behind the scenes because because we're marketers. Consumers are starting to understand that as well. Yeah. And because they don't want to see anything from an actual company. They want to see other people like their peers or other customers talking about the experience mm. that people are having with a particular company or a brand. 
And that's what people are buying into. So if you're advertising on Facebook, it's like, so what? You know, Instagram, the example that you shared about, you know, an item that you had purchased and it was bogus. Yeah. Well, it, you know, if that was a real company, that was just a terrible experience. And how could they ever, you know, stay in business? Right. A real company because it was bogus. But when you think of the experience that people are having with your brand, that's ultimately what they're going to remember. And people will pay, I think it was 37% more for a better experience and in order to get the same product. So they're willing to pay more for the experience from, you know, company A that did a great job versus company B who did a, eh, it's okay. Hmm. So when you keep that in mind, it's, you know, I think the focus needs to change from, you know, where are we spending our time in social media on what's the customer doing before they even consider buying from us. Wow. 37% more like, hello, that's like more than a third. Yeah. How, how do you fix that percentage? But yeah. How do you take advantage of that? How do you make that experience something they want to pay more for? You create a, a understand your own customer journey. Okay. So in order for somebody to navigate to your brand, understand the different touch points along the way. And that's, that's where personas really come in handy too. Again, because if you don't know who your target audience is and what those different triggers are and where they're spending time, if you don't know that basic piece of information, it makes mapping the journey really difficult. And it's kind of a, you know, it, it can be a long process anyway, because not every person takes the same journey. But when you right. understand, in that, then it makes everything that you're doing from a marketing perspective and a sales perspective, customer service perspective, everything easier. And if you can make it seamless and frictionless and just help them navigate those different points until the time that they buy from you, and then, you know, obviously have a retention plan as well, then it just becomes better for you as a company than yeah. if you're not doing anything to, to help that process. Have you ever been any really bad experiences or any really good experiences that stood out for you as a um, consumer? I know I have, and I should have some of those top of mind. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. I'm just, I'm just curious. I bought something. I don't even know when the last time I bought something was. <laughs> um, I, know, I do know I have a great experience when I take my car to go get it serviced, which is unusual. Um, but it could be, it's a Lincoln. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a higher end brand too, yeah. but um, I know other car dealers in the area that have, you know, it's like a Ford and a Chevy dealership. Mm -hmm. um, they have great experiences too. Cause I used to work with the dealers themselves. And I think that is really important, especially the perception that people have of car dealers that if you can create oh, a totally. experience, then, you know, that's good too. Yeah. It's funny. I think a lot of times I'm going to take lessons from these too. You know, the car dealership where you're like, never again. That was terrible. Then you look on one of those sites. You're like, everyone else thinks it's terrible too. What was I thinking? <laughs> you know, like, why didn't I look at that first? Everyone yeah. hated this place. And it's almost like they're going for the, for one sale. You know, they're going to get the one sale if anything, and then they understand you're going to move on. But there's, there's more sales that could happen down the line if we had a good positive experience. Yeah, I think they get, and this is just from my experience being in that industry, and, and we've seen Carvana, you know, we see that enterprise totally. starting to branch out and do different things for the consumer, not necessarily just car rental and enterprise um, perspective. 
I, I'm waiting for the day that Amazon offers this, but car dealers aren't thinking about how much their industry is going to be disrupted. And that's probably going to come totally. in, a, in a shock. And I'm like, I've been talking about this for like two years. <laughs> you guys need to do something different, but they get so caught up in their industry that they don't look outside to see what's happening in different areas to actually change what's happening inside of it. So I think it all, that actually is going to probably put a lot of dealerships out of business if they're not already just because of the coronavirus. True. But I think the larger point even then there is just learning from other industries, you know, yeah. and that's just because it's not your industry. Yeah. Who cares? Maybe you can learn from it. That's how a lot of people do learn and they take stuff from, you know, business models from other areas or other experiences and they bring it into theirs and see how they can make it work. Yeah. 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 I and totally get that. That I I that sense. A lot too, just because I have a, a very background, like not all of my experiences in automotive, for example, it's in different industries. So Got to me, it. I think it's an advantage to be non-niche. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause I mean, what, what, what is niche other than maybe understanding the buyer really well, but that's something you got to do anyways. It brings up a point I was having um, previously on uh, the idea of, you know, B2C versus B2B, but really it's like that buyer, you got to get to know the buyer, you know, personas either way, you got to get to know who is going through that journey to your yeah. point and make it a really good journey so that you can charge more <laughs> and, and deliver a great experience. Yeah. I think it's just all about the experience, you know, because the data is there to say that they will pay more for the experience. If you focus yeah. on the experience, making it great, yeah, and something to talk about, then you can charge more just because of it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, crazy. You know, who are you? Can, you? can you take us back in time? Like, did you always know you're going to be this like queen of marketing and in like helping industries and brands like weather the storm and all this? Take, take us back in time, you know, like, little you um, what was it like growing up as you yeah little vicky did she what, what was she doing were you painting drawing what were you up to are you taking that do 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 you taking that music like going back in time yes shakers back in time yes yeah. exactly yeah well it's funny um that you mentioned like even going back little i'm not gonna tell a bunch of stories about this but i was telling someone this recently is that you know when you're a kid a lot of times you you know you play teacher you play doctor you mm -hmm. play you know school or whatever i'm like i used to play office <laughs> really i did and it was uh i remember going to two different friends houses one they were in like the phone industry so they had all kinds of like phones at their house and then of course you know paper and yeah. you know, paper and you know way back then and um, so I just remember being like, oh, let's play, let's sit down and play office. And it was like, you know, the phones and taking messages and acting like we're typing. And, and then another friend of mine, her mom was a realtor. So she had all kinds of like, you know, message pads and all kinds of, um, remember her having like the accounting ledgers and just, wow. that's what I wanted to do. Like that was my playtime was I wanted to play office. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's back in the, the single digit years. <laughs> really? Do you, I mean, can you re remember how or when did you start doing that? Do you, were you like a six year old CEO or? Yeah, no, I was, I never sold anything though. You know, you hear all these stories about <laughs> an entrepreneur and they were selling lemonade and I'm like, we lived in a neighborhood that were, it was all empty nesters. So it wasn't sure. like, you know, I could do things with my friends. Um, but I do remember I was probably like maybe seven or eight mm -hmm. playing like office because I do That's remember cool. being really young. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and they're just like, no, let's go outside and play. I'm like, oh, fine. <laughs> You're like, okay, you can have break time. You can yeah. have your smoke break now, but you yeah, must exactly. be back in 15 minutes, you know, or I'm charging you for the day. Yeah, exactly. So it does <laughs> go like way back then, but, you know, flash forward, you know, many years and I realized that I wanted to be in marketing. I, I happened to, um, I had lost a, my job in, it was like a sales office. So it was kind of like a temporary thing where they're like, let's see if this will work out. And um, the salesperson wasn't able to, re to reach their goals. So I was like in a sales support position. Got it. So that office closed and I was left without a job. Huh. So back then this was like maybe, probably mid 1990s. Maybe this for before a school or after school? This was um, after school. Okay. Now I take that back. So <laughs> my degree didn't come until I was like 34. So oh, this, no kidding. No, I'm oh, like, that's cool. so you had this like different, different path. That's cool. Yeah. Completely different path. Um, that was the one thing I would probably change in my past is that I would have made a different decision my freshman year in college. And, and I would have finished school, you know, in four years, but instead I was on the 20 year plan. <laughs> right. Yeah. But Hey, I finished. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. And was that like sort of intentional or was that like, let's go explore the world or what? Oh, it was financial. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have, um, neither one of my parents, uh, graduated college with a degree. So we didn't sure. really have me or my sisters didn't really have the guidance to help us understand, you know, you need to go to school. Here's how you pick a college. So I went to a private college out of a private high school with mm. my best friend because that's what she was doing. And after a year, my entire life savings was gone. Oh, damn. So, damn. <laughs> yeah. So was, I had no other choice but to go work full time because once we turned 18, we were on our own. Like our parents were like, nope, sorry, you're on your own. Yeah. Which is like what a lot of parents do is like, hey, fly bird. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come back. You learn a lot of things the hard way that way too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I ended up having to kind of reverse my plans, not necessarily get my degree at that point, but focus on working. Okay. And, um, during that time, I just, I kept working like two jobs, you know, just anything to kind of make ends meet. Right. And then, uh, when I, you know, through those jobs, I'd lost the one job in this, as a sales support and then yeah. got a temporary job at this big local company. It was a publishing company in the marketing department the admin person in the marketing department was on maternity leave. And I'm like, okay, well, it's a job, you know, right. totally. my degree. So I wasn't qualified for some of these other jobs. And I was like, that's okay. It's temporary. Anyway, I can still look for other things. Well, I got in there and I'd never worked in a marketing environment before. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. Like, really? I loved, people, I loved the processes. I loved how close, closely connected they were to sales Right. The executive team was like always on the marketing floor, like, Hey, how's it going? And they were like very engaging. Wow. I, like, oh my God, I love this company. I love what they do here. So that person ended up not coming back. I interviewed for the job, got it. Sick. Stayed with them for like 12 years and worked my way up as far as I could go. In the process, they paid for my bachelor's degree. Hell yeah. That sounds like a great company. I mean, they're all on the marketing floor. Yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah, it was a it was an overall I love that company and I gained so much experience. That's where I had sales training. I actually mm -hmm. got to apply my sales experience while I was there. Um, leadership training. I managed people. I was part of a like new revenue initiatives. They were branching out, starting new products. 
I product development. Like I had all kinds of, I loved that company. It was an absolutely wonderful experience. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah. So at that point, um, that's when I branched out and went to a company and um, they needed a marketing person. Like they didn't have anybody that was dedicated to marketing okay. and they wanted to have like a full-time person. So they hired me and that's when I fell in love with the fact that, oh my gosh, I can do this stuff like on my own. Like I love having this freedom to create yeah. marketing strategies. And of course I had somebody guiding me and I had to get things approved at that time, but it was like a, it was a white, it was a blank slate. Like yeah. I can create what I wanted to. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I could see me doing this for the rest of my life. <laughs> totally. That's, oh, what a cool opportunity. Yeah. So it just, it, that's where I learned that marketing was where I wanted to spend the majority of my time, but knew that there'd be a lot of value in having sales experience. Oh yeah. So I went through different jobs and getting different sales experiences and just uh, working with like mostly startup type companies, mm -hmm. like they were established, but they were trying to expand their brand. So yeah. like there was no presence in my territory. So it was a matter of going out, educating people in the process and, you know, just working with the team. They didn't have marketing materials. So for mm. me, that was like, I love <laughs> it was that whole thing of like just starting something from scratch and being part of building a team. Like that was exciting for me. Jeez, what, what, no, tell me about the decision to go back to school then. I mean, were you able, did you get to a point where they're like, oh, you don't have a degree and you just could not go any further? Yeah, that's actually how it happened. I was, um, I'm trying to think of what job I was in at that time. I think I was managing like two people um, at that time and I wanted to get up. The next level was like a director level position. Okay, yeah. And I couldn't get, they're like, Vicki, you know, you have to have a bachelor's degree. And I'm like, okay. So that was, <laughs> that was probably, um, the proudest time of my life, but it was probably also the most difficult because mm. I couldn't have picked a more difficult time to go back to school. So I was married and I had two young girls oh, geez. in activities working full time and going to school on an accelerated online program. Jeez. How, so, how did you do that? Did you hire a robot to help you or? That was like when I was just like, oh my God, I've got to be extremely focused and I have to be very time conscious and project yeah. management and everything became like, I had to have a plan like all the time. Right. And I had to stick to it. And it was hard because it, you know, when you have two young kids, it's like, you're kind of fluid, you know, you kind of work with what you've got. Right. And my husband at the time, he was extremely helpful. Like mm. he did a lot of stuff. He stepped up. He and I had had this conversation beforehand, you know, is it okay if I go back? You know, do you see the value in this? Uh, so he completely supported me and he stepped up and helped out tremendously. That's so he was part of actually that process and making that happen too. Um, so I, I did, I got it after 18 months and then there was no place for me to go in the company. Oh, what? because <laughs> the, the people that were at that level they were like lifers like they weren't going anywhere so Got I was like it. so I had to stay a year just because that was the tuition reimbursement program right so for a year I think I ended up staying like 16 or 18 months and then I was yeah. like okay I gotta go I, I I need to do more things with my life <laughs> man so they could have infused some energy into their structure by getting you in some, that next higher position do you yeah. by the way do you that, that was pretty quick 18 months do you would you say it was like worth every it? eight weeks I was doing like two or three classes and it was online. So that actually helped out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say, I mean, what, 
what did you get out of that? Would you say it was worth it getting the degree? Yeah. I mean, it actually was worth it. What, what's interesting about that is that in school, I've never been an AB student. Like mm-hmm. I was always a BC student and okay. I'm the type of person that like, I don't like history. that's hard for me to remember like all of that information because it's not interesting to me. Right. Put me in a math class or science class and I love it. But for me, it was, you know, in school that that's why I got B's and C's because it was just, I just, I wasn't interested. And then when it came to taking tests, like I'm not a good test taker. Sure. So when I went to college and I was applying my experience to the textbook version of what you need to learn, I aced everything. Like I graduated summa cum laude. No kidding. I was like, you know, straight A student. I'm like, this isn't me. You know, I'm not an A student. So to me, that proved the power of the education that you get from real world experiences. Right. And that there's a lot of value to that. And I don't think you necessarily have to have a college degree if you're getting the experience along the way. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, today it's a little bit different, you know, pieces of paper don't have as much meaning as far as I'm concerned, but you know, in certain areas they do, you want to go into medical, you have to have it. Oh yeah. There's certain, certain places, but with marketing, it's a, it's a very loose line, right? Because it it was cool to see that when you really were into it or you were just like, I got to do this, then the grades were there, the skills were there. And you're like, I'm going to extract as much knowledge as I can out of this course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm paying for this thing or, or, (laughs) I'm paying with my time. So I'm going to get, I'm going to actually get some stuff out of it. I think sometimes we coast early on in life with some of those classes, like who cares? But if you're like, Nope, I'm actually sacrificing to be here. Yeah. I'm going to learn come hell or high water. Yeah. Wow. And it was tough too. I mean, as you can imagine, I'm sure that everybody who's listening to this or, you know, anybody in general has had some time in their life like that where they've just had to, you know, hunker down. You just yeah. have to get done what you have to get done. And if I wanted to move farther in my career at that time, the piece of paper was important. So right. it was important in the industry. It was important to my future and therefore it had to be important to me. Right. I just was very fortunate to have a bunch of people around me at work. And of course at home that supported me in, in taking those steps and understanding that my time's going to be limited and it's going to be very stressful, but I'm going to manage it the best that I can. Right. Yeah. And it was all about that communication too. Oh man. Craziness. And and now you're, you're like a fractional CMO. I mean, what are you up to these days? Who do you work with and what kind of things do you do? Yeah. So I, um, I work with small businesses mostly, um, some entrepreneurs, but those are more like project-based type Mm -hmm. um, initiatives. Um, but small business owners and fractional CMO is essentially just a CMO, but part-time. Okay. So small businesses typically can't afford to hire an actual CMO or a marketing person at that leadership level. And, but they need somebody to help guide them mm-hmm. because they see the, the value and the importance of having marketing, but they just, they can't afford it. So coming in and being that person, either at the leadership level, if they just need um, like a strategy developed. I just did that for somebody here recently. And then they're like, okay, we got it. You know, we've got people in place that can execute it. They just needed somebody from an outside perspective to come in and say, we need help with mm-hmm. guiding us because we don't really know where to go from here. Right. 
Um, so I can step in and do that. And then also just like projects or short term, you know, basis if they have somebody that's out and they need somebody to step in. Um, so it's essentially just a marketing, you know, executive at, you know, a lower cost than you would having like a full-time CMO on staff. Totally. And the outside perspective can be really, really valuable. Sometimes yeah. we get all wrapped up in our own processes and yeah. oh, we sort of all, oh, we assume that this is how it is, but you just need someone like, ah, oh, is that really the case? Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I have a lot of fun doing that too. It's like yeah. helping other people. It's like, I just love that. I forget about like what I'm doing most of the time. And I'm just like, I just want to get in and help somebody else out because I can, when you can see something from a different perspective and you can kind of create that aha moment for someone else in yeah. their business and help them grow their passion. Like to me, that's just like, I, I want to cry. Cause I'm like, oh, I've helped them out. I feel awesome about this. And now I'm glad that you're in a place where you can just keep moving in the direction that you wanted to move. Absolutely. And you know, you're right. And like, that's how you know you're in the right spot when you just, you're like, oh, I love this. I'd do it for yeah. free if I could. Like, let's go yeah. help people out. If yeah. you, hypothetical for you, um, I may or may not have a time machine in Nashville, New Hampshire. Um, you can't use it now because of COVID, but if let's say clears up and, and you can use my time machine, you can go back and talk to yourself at the beginning of your career. You just got, maybe it's just like, you just got out of college part one. And you're, you're entering the workforce. If you could talk to her, Vicky, then what kind of things would you tell her? What kind of advice would you give her? Um, I would tell her to network beyond her existing walls mm. and to not be afraid to try new things. Um, I think back then, just because I didn't know what I didn't know. So now I do know I'm going back right. doing things better. Yeah. <laughs> it would be reaching out to, you know, beyond people that I was familiar with and just being more um, open to approaching people. I don't know. Mm. There's so much value in that. And I mean, you're a great example. I mean, you and I are having this conversation and we didn't know each other before that, you know, initial right conversation, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, just having this conversation with you is just awesome. Like oh, you're yeah. a great person. And I understand more just from listening to some of your podcast episodes and our conversation about how daring you are and that you do things. Ah. Like <laughs> you like the things in life that are a little scarier than I do. I so. do like a little bit of scariness. <laughs> that actually could be a benefit. You know, that would help me because I'm like, right. You know, Hey, and he does this and he survives, then mm -hmm. maybe I could try something, not, you know, cliff diving or jumping out of an airplane, but um, it's just exposing myself to people who have had different experiences that, you know, that can help me. And then in turn, I can help them. Right. And I think that would be an area that I, I could do better back then. Yeah. It's a really good point about people outside the existing walls, even the people you're comfortable talking to or the people that make sense, right? The people that make sense, reaching out to those people, that's easy. That's kind of like table stakes, but the people that don't make sense to us, like, I don't think I would ever do that. Um, yeah. And for me, like scuba diving, like, no, thank you. I am the bottom of the food chain in the ocean. <laughs> like I know all the things with sharp teeth, like, I, you know, I'm like a super wuss in, in the water, but like, put me in the sky. There's no pterodactyls that are come swooping out of the sky to eat me. So, yeah. but you're right. Like exposing yourself to people, you know, whether it's a physical thing or just a mental thing, you know, working 
people with accounting backgrounds, like, you know, and just kind of suspending judgment being like, what can I learn from this person and how they approach the situation that mm -hmm. I don't, it's not normal for me, but maybe it is for them. And, and a little bit of me rubs off on them and a little bit of them on me. Yeah. It's a really good point. Yeah. I think then you're helping each other out. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And just seeing the, the reciprocal value of that. Yeah. And you if you went back in a time machine, what would you do different? What would I do differently? Yeah. I'm huh. What's that? I'm curious. Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. <laughs> I'm um, or or maybe, maybe Ethan did. A, I don't even remember on my episode. Has anyone ever asked me that? I don't know. Um, you know, I had a lot of like um, resisting uh, what I wanted to do. I had a lot of doing what other people wanted me to do. And um and I sort of just did that. And even when like universe and God were saying, maybe you should uh, over here. I was like, no, resist, do, do the normal path. Like go to the air force Academy or go to this. And, and then I would get my wrist slapped and be like, nope, you really don't want to go. And you're going to fail calculus to prevent you from going. Right. And so it's like, I mean, I failed calculus multiple times and it, but it was actually a good thing. It prevented me from, I mean, I would be a terrible pilot right now. You know, it'd be like, well, we're supposed to go to New Jersey, but screw that. Let's go to Hawaii. Who's in? You know, like, no. <laughs> Last time you fly that Delta flight, like, yeah. it's not going to happen. So there's certain happy. times I, were, I was sort of resistant to that. And I probably just would have encouraged myself to, you know, seek out the things that excite me, that I get passionate about, that I'd stay up at, late at night doing, mm -hmm. the things where I, checking email at, late at night about it was fun. And that eventually with my company treasure impact and, and things like that. And with marketing and automation, it didn't seem like I was working. And it's like, how could I find that faster? You know, or, or just be okay if you haven't found it yet, but go find it because yeah. it's out there and eventually you'll have fun doing things in podcasting too. Right. Yeah. Um, believe it or not. I remember being in shy mode in Boston and not wanting to go to well, wanting to go to like a networking event, but being like, oh, I got to meet people now. And <laughs> like quick Red Bull and vodka. I can meet people now. And, but eventually realizing, oh, actually, I know you really enjoy that. Actually, I really do enjoy that. And, and apparently I'm pretty good at it. And I had some personality tests that were like, you're really good at that. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I know. I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> right. Right. So you're just encouraging yeah. more of that, you know, finding that where passion and purpose kind of collide together yeah i love that yeah. yeah that's awesome sounds like you found that too it sounds like the marketing thing was really where your collision happened yeah it really was like i had yeah. no idea um you know i think i mentioned earlier that nobody to kind of help guide us into college well there wasn't really even our school guidance counselors weren't helpful in understanding where our interests might be you know i i remember being young outside of playing office i actually you know, it was just me and my sisters and there were no sidewalks or no kids. And I, I would just get so bored. And I remember going out to our garage and my dad had this, um, like it wasn't a tool kit, but it had like all the screws and, um, nails and washers. Mm. And they had all these like little drawers of things. And I was wow. like, I'd love to like, I want to build something. You know, I, I, for me, that was like exciting. And I'm like, where's some wood? Like I, I wanted to do stuff like yeah. that. Never anybody that was like, let me tap into that. Like, what is it that she's really passionate about so I can help guide her and understand like where her career needs to head. Like we just, yeah. we didn't have that. So I don't know if that's expecting too much. Like my daughters didn't have it in high school either. So maybe it's just asking for too much. <laughs> right. 
I think yeah. I think I've heard this particular thing on some some previous advice, but the idea of like they're going to be naysayers and they're going to be people encouraging you, but like figure out the difference between the two and don't listen to the first one. I, yeah. mean, I think you know, my guidance counselors were terrible at school. Yeah. And they thought I was an idiot and I probably acted like one too, but you know, they, they were, I mean, inside everyone is that like future awesome self. So yeah. there's, you know, just because I look like an idiot in high school. Um, <laughs> we all looked like idiots in high we school. We all did. So like high schoolers, <laughs> I don't not, you know, and like I had an English teacher that like didn't, I wanted to do AP English and just, I really like writing and words and eventually mm-hmm. marketing, right. And books and write and reading and, and like, nope, denied you're not really capable of that. And I really kind of want to send her a copy of my book at some point and be like, Hey, but I won't, I'll just say, I'll just put it. Thanks for, thanks for the help. Yeah. Here's here's where I went, you know, in my career. Yeah. 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 It's just, but those are people you're going to, you're going to, everyone has them who says, Nope, you suck. Ignore those people. And the people that are encouraging you got to pay more attention than those people. Yeah. I think it's important to have people like that though too in your life so that you at least can see that there's a balance and that. True. True. Yeah. I taught my girls this too in high school because they would always like we all do have teachers that they didn't like. And they're just like, I just don't understand. Like I can't learn from this person. And I'm like, okay, well you're in that class and you have this, this teacher and just like for the rest of your life, whether it's a boss or a coworker or you know, a professor in college, you're going to encounter people that you don't like. That's a or great that point. Don't feel or helpful. But what you need to do is figure out how to navigate the situation now. Yeah. Figure out what you need to do outside of just this teacher to classroom situation. You know, do you need to get a tutor? Do you need to have a conversation with them? Do you need to, you know, send an email, like figure out an action plan so that this can be a win for you. Like this right. is your time too. And I think that's important that we have people like that because, you know, sometimes those people are the ones that encourage us. And I, I had somebody at um, the company I worked at where, I, you know, I found out that marketing was my passion and he, um, he was one of the doubters. He's like, um, and he was our director at the time. So he was like the highest level oh, department. And he was just like, he's like, Vicki, you'll never go back and get your degree. And I'm like, uh-oh are you talking to me? <laughs> Seriously? I accept that as a challenge. <laughs> oh, same here. I, yeah. I was like, whatever. I'm so getting that. So for him to say that to me, I was just like, where did that even come from? Weird. So for me, it was like a little bit of fuel to like, get it, prove him wrong, move on, do bigger and better things and, you know, make a great life. It's a good point. You do need those people for fuel. Right. And just, but realizing that they're fuel, they're like not friendly They're It's fuel. Um, But it's funny you mentioned that because I had someone, I know I was entertaining the Marine. It wasn't even entertaining the Marine Corps, but they, they had a chat with me and they're like, we're not going to give you anything. We don't do that in our branch. All the other branches were like, we'll give you $10,000 million and signing bonuses and stuff and do whatever you want to do. They're like, Nope, none of that. Oh, and we don't want you. Right. And they were kind of right. I was definitely not in shape, but. I was just like, something about them being like, we actually, you know, everyone else is trying to get you, trying to get you, trying to get you. And they're like, nope, we don't want you. It's like, and then you're like, I want to be what they, I want to be you. Yeah. 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 So like cue the Rocky soundtrack that whole summer, I was like running on the track in the sun, you know, and eventually they were like, okay, let's go. <laughs> it's crazy. Bring it on. 
Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The naysayer. You know, we should we should have some like a service professional naysayers. You know, you pay someone twenty bucks, and they're like, "You couldn't do that if your life depended on it." You're like, "Yeah, you think so?" Yeah. So you. You're gonna push me to be better. Fine. Fine. <laughs> twenty bucks. Right. Right. Or, or whatever you need. Right. You need a naysayer, yeah. or do you need an encourager? Yeah. Exactly. You got this, bro. You got this. <laughs> Accountability, oh, the accountability coach backwards. So the, you know, we'd have to come up with a name for that. Accountability good, something else bad. Yeah, like unaccountable, unaccountable coach. Accountability like, coach. I don't uh, remember what you talked about last week because I don't really care. I don't think you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> well, our time's up here. Let me know yeah. how you do next time, but I don't really care. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> Man, so what, what are you able to do these days? I know we're all kind of quarantined still and yeah. You know, but when you have some fun and some free time and when you don't have to be cooped up, what kind of things do you do to stay fun and happy? Um, well, I mean, I exercise. So I go like in the mornings, I'll exercise, maybe run outside if it's warm enough. It hasn't nice. been warm. Um, my fiance and I will go out and we'll take walks like either mid afternoon or like after work if it's warm enough. Um, we have three cats. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll take them outside. That's always interesting. To see. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I, I love animals. Okay, cool. Yeah, but it was, um, I got a cat. It was a stray okay. um, way back when. I was just like, at the time, I'm like, I don't want a cat because, you know, litter box. I mean, uh, I right? have cats, but, and I'm like, no, there was something about him where I was just like, um, he's my cat. Like, I need to keep him. So, um, yeah, and then I've just, you know, my fiance got a cat and then this other, the third one's a stray. And um, I just couldn't part from her after she was supposed to go someplace else. So I just, I love animals. How how many cats do you have to have to be the crazy cat lady? (laughs) When does that kick in? I was going to say when they outnumber you, but (laughs) I already do. Although my fiance's son is here like every other week. So right Right. now I can claim that it's one-to-one and I'm not quite there yet. So you're good. I think one-to-one is fine. I think one more than one-to-one is fine, but I think maybe four, you know, if yeah. you get to four, then I think it's official. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. We're done with the cats. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. More, Are you a dog or a cat person? Uh, I grew up with a dog and a cat and I've had a dogs lately. And so now mm-hmm. I'm sort of contemplating, um, can I live with cats, you know, after yeah. being a dog person, but you know, dogs can be great or annoying as hell too. So. They're, they're kind of like kids. They're a lot of responsibility. They are. Yeah. Where the cats, you can just, like this past weekend, we went to go visit um, my fiance's mom in Tennessee. Mm. So we were able to leave the cats overnight. Like we didn't have to have somebody come here and take them Let out. them out. Mm-hmm. Do all that stuff. So they were fine. I feel like That's it's a step up in the responsibility spectrum. Like it's a great starter child, you know, yes. it's like <laughs> a dog. I remember when we had one and we didn't have kids and we went to like a, like a formal event. They're like, oh, no. we're going to stay the night. Oh, no, our dog's at home. We haven't even thought we're like new parents, right? But yeah. at least it's a dog. We had to call some friends. He'd be like, could you go let our dog out? And it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're a lot of responsibility. They are, but they love you a little bit more. Cats, I don't know, they can't be bothered. Yeah. The Welcome cats home. Are- we'll see you later. Yeah. Yeah. They're makers. <laughs> yeah. Dogs are actually, I, I was telling Tom, my fiance, um, like the three cats, they still, like, they, they don't all get along yet. And mm-hmm. I've, been in the same household now since the beginning of February. 
So you think that was enough time for them to all like get along and, you know, go wherever they want in the house. And I'm like, you know what, if these were dogs, they would have been sleeping together like two nights later. <laughs> true. True. Just yeah. hanging out. Yeah. I agree. Best buds. Better. <laughs> well, Hey, where can people connect with you if they want to reach out, uh, even get some of your help with strategy or just kind of connect and be a part of your, your network and, uh, and connect up what kind of yeah. sites, where do you want them to reach out? Um, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn Sweet. and Twitter, um, or they can reach out to me on my website, which is vickyoneal.com. And that has all the information, like even the social icons at the bottom, if they want to connect with me on their social platform of choice, um, they're all listed there and just, you know, connect with me there or join my email and um, we can communicate that way as well. Awesome. I just followed you on Twitter so that as soon as you follow me, I'm going to unfollow you after that. Yeah. So that uh... <laughs> that's Instagram. <laughs> right. Oh, 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 just Instagram. No, I'm sure it happens on Twitter. You can on Twitter too if you want. Yeah, I'm sure the game is being played everywhere. This crazy. <laughs> uh, well, this is oh, in, the, in the podcast. Um, that's off of your site as well. Connect the yeah, dots. Uh, yeah, both of them are actually off the site. Yeah, connect oh, awesome. the dots and the power of 3X. Awesome. And with Connected Dots, maybe just like share with people a little bit about that so they can go check that out. Yeah, that's a uh, marketing and sales, like alignment, education, podcast. There are some solo episodes where it's me teaching something about marketing or sales. Yeah. Sometimes downloadable documents, actions to take afterwards. And then I have quite a few interviews with Yeah, I see Mark Schaefer in there. Sounds like yeah. you're in the know. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, that was a great interview too. Um, him. And then there's uh, one on there. I think it was episode 37. Um, Mikhail Isikowitz. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. She is a phenomenal. So anyone who wants tips on what makes a phenomenal website and like copywriting for your website, she's the person to go check out. Like that okay. episode is so full of tips and nuggets of information. And yeah, that was, it's almost an hour long, but it was like, it's a quick hour because she just shares so much. Totally. It was really good. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I've got that one bookmarked. There's a lot of really good stuff on here. And even some of the latest episodes are like um, the one marketing thing, marketing the customer journey, Mm -hmm. business partners, trying something new in marketing. I mean, these are all really good things. And so it's vickyoneal.com slash podcast. Yeah, exactly. That trying something new in marketing was all about starting um, live streaming. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was something that I was just like, I wanted to do more video. But yeah. as you probably know, is that video requires a lot of editing. Oh my goodness. But when you go live, that goes away. Interesting. Hey, we're live here. We can't edit yeah. it because it's live. The problem is you have to have an audience to actually show up. So <laughs> I'm doing it on YouTube and I want to keep it on YouTube. Yeah. I haven't even tried to get it on LinkedIn, but even if I had it, it's like, I don't want everybody, you know, broken up. Like I want to create a community of people. Mm -hmm. So, and then YouTube of course has so many more SEO benefits and totally. you know, people are out there watching videos then it's more likely they'll come across mine. But, um, so I've only got 50 subscribers right now. <laughs> so yeah, very real ones, audience. right? Yeah, yeah. Real, real subscribers, especially if they show up. You're right for the live thing. You, okay. Now I actually need people to show up and then, yeah. you know, on a particular time and day, which is hard to begin with. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, then then you have them asking questions throughout. I'm kind of, I guess, I'm been kind of split on, you know, for this for this one, I kind of like having that focus. I'm not like looking over here and and asking other questions. I'm just like we're focused, you know, on our conversation. Yeah, exactly. And I like that too about the podcast interviews because it is just one on one, and it makes it easier to stay focused on the topic and that other person. Yeah, yeah. But for webinars and so that that live type of content, I mean, it all has its own place, right? It's more of a show. People can yeah. come watch it, interact. It's fun having a shout out from the person. I think uh, Sangram was doing a live and I keep commenting him on his hair because he's got like movie star hair and he's in quarantine. So I was like, how are you doing that? He's like, I'm doing it myself and I just don't even know how he does it. So yeah, like, That's nice. why I got a hat to, <laughs> to cover it up. <laughs> like yeah. I should have worn a hat. Like I need to get this cut. Oh, get out of here. No way. Four weeks and then it's getting cut. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. We're all in situation right yeah that my hair got so long on the sides and we were watching like pride and prejudice and like the guys like sort of wing winged hair <laughs> i started having that too and i was like okay i need i need to we, we just buzzed it at home because <laughs> well you look fabulous you can't oh thank you the haircut and the hat looks good on you so you're you got thank it all you. going on <laughs> thank you i yeah that's it and if you're anyone's listening and you're curious <laughs> check out youtube and you can see us live <laughs> or not live you can see us in person on video yeah, exactly. Um, so this has been awesome, Vicky. Thank you so much for coming on here, just hanging out and yeah, sharing your wisdom and your story and all that. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a great conversation. I, yeah. I love just having talks like this. I think it's awesome. Agreed. I think you really get to know someone too from having like a conversation like this. I mean, how often do you ever have like a concentrated conversation anymore, right? There's like phone, interruption, quick you know, meeting here and there. But yeah. to actually just talk to another human for a bit of time is really like a – well, it's a luxury, you know, it's a really refreshing. nice. Yes. Refreshing. Yeah. Especially yeah. when we're in lockdown. It's always nice to like stay focused and talk to another person, even if you can't be in person. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. And at least that way you're not having too many shots. You know, I'm not like, Hey, let's have a beer before the podcast. You're like, ah, it gets hey, crazy real quick. Wine. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh, like a wine podcast. That'd be straw. Great. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> wine with a straw. Oh no. Oh, like a funnel wine with a funnel. That'd just yeah. Be that'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for the next one. Yeah. So, you know, for those people listening, I want to just want to say like, if you learned something and I know you did, cause I literally have a page and a half over here, then like share this with someone else, you know, like be a thought leader to one person, two people, 94 people, your whole LinkedIn crew, the horde, like yeah. whatever, just get this information out, but put your own take on it. What are the takeaways you learned about the psychographics, the personas, all the things we've been learning, you know, what's in it for them. That's such an important phrase. Get this information out. Put your own twist on it. You're a thought leader now just because you listen to a podcast. Um, and Vicky, thank you again. We'll have to have you come back here post-COVID so we can just catch up and, and keep it real. That'd be awesome. Thanks so much, Casey. I appreciate it. And this has been an, a great conversation. I appreciate you very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't wait to talk to you again. And uh, for everyone out there listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to qualified.com, engage in a chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door.
All right. We'll see you all in the next one.